Kunisti, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast and welcome back to this series on waterways. The rivers, the lakes and now the seas of Ireland. And in this episode, Aaron is going to tell you the story of the voyage of Bran. One of the first stories that we ever worked on together. And a first for the podcast. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales. You can join them over there for access to special extras, Zoom chats and anything else we happen to come up with. Or you can support us by liking, commenting, subscribing, sharing, or you can just listen. Aaron, tell us a story. Bran McFowl was the king of Cara Lucra. He had seen many fights, many wars, the king of the world himself being killed on Ventry Bay. Although he spent most of his days in Connacht, with the kings there ruling over the lands that were often disputed between the different tribes and many kings and many hills. His sons, warriors, mostly for the part, did their duty and made him proud. Although for such a long time he had felt disillusioned with kingship. So many wanted to be king and have power over others, but all the power he had seemed to be in delegation, calming down fights when fights were brewing. Oftentimes he would get peace of mind by walking along the shores of the coasts. The waterways were his favorite. The forest filled with animals, birds singing in the trees, the rustling and the sound of wild game, finding the tracks of the deer in the mud, or the frost that kept those footprints near perfect on winter mornings. These were times where he felt rooted into the ground and the landscape all around him. These were the times that he felt some way connected at least. For whenever he was brought back into being king and doing the orderly things, he lost that sense of longing and lust for life. The longing that he had was a longing to belong to something more, something full-bodied that filled him up, this insatiable appetite he seemed to never satisfy, no matter how he would cry or weep, the sadness would linger, maybe after a death of a loved one. No matter how much they rejoiced or sang, no matter how happy the feast and the cause of celebration, well, he would still be longing for more. Some part of him wanted to know what was beyond the hills, the many plains, the three times fifty islands of the other world. Oh, he was no stranger to those that lived under hill. Wasn't he the emissary for the Fianna when they needed the help from the Fae for that great battle? Many times he had met the strange folk, knowing not to take the offerings of food lest he be trapped under a hill for the rest of his life. And he had seen 
those ever-living folk with his own eyes, so he could not dispute the tales and the brilliance that he had heard from many a passing druid or a bard singing the songs of the other folk beyond the veil. He would wonder how one could get there. Until one day he was out walking on his merry way going round the small hills and stony fields seeing a crook and bend of a small river around a clump of trees which he was intrigued by and went on into this thicket and there he heard the most beautiful music fill it and suddenly he became sleepy and drooped his head down onto a mossy boulder which felt so much warmer than it should have been colder but he fell into a nice lovely sleep and when he awoke he had the words tumbling of this beautiful song he had seemed to dream a woman that was beauty beyond comparison that was all of femininity wrapped up in a person that he could not have believed he had seen but maybe it had been a dream she had been singing was it 50 verses almost word perfect he could perceive them but they were vanishing as soon as he heard them again and reminisced. She was singing of Emna, the islands of promise, the other world, these lands where there was no sadness, no war, no conflict, no strife, all was merry-making and all was bliss, eternal love-making and gift-giving, cherishing the love and songs that they all seemed to belong to in this beautiful land of the other world. Surrounded by sea, these islands seemed to have their own personality, each one of them. Some home to beautiful women, all left there to be free and find their femininity themselves. Some islands were filled with madness, creatures racing, turning, twisting inside themselves. Some had animals only that set themselves on fire, but there were so many he could not retain. But all that sustained was his curiosity to go and search and find this land. And when he felt his hand, there was a branch within it. He looked down and he saw a silver branch with golden apples. And as he picked, it shook and the music seemed to flicker and flick around, emanating this sound of stillness and beauty and softly eased himself into a stride which quickened in pace as it brought him back tracking his trace back to the hall of the king of Taralugra there he exclaimed he told everyone that he was invited to the other world by a beautiful woman who had given him this mystical branch the grey in his beard and the grey in his hair and the bags in his eyes People began to worry and wonder, had Bran lost his mind? Had he gone senile? Sure, he had a nice branch and all, but he was looking a little bit rougher on the edges, especially as he near manically talked of this magical realm that was beyond this point of perception, but they're all the same, and could you not see it yourself if you simply looked across the fields? 
Everyone began to exchange those strange looks, doubting the king, until the door swung wide, and there in the doorway was this beautiful woman who began to sing once more of the lands out beyond. And she described this place so filled of magic and merrymaking that everyone believed her therein. And it wasn't very hard for Bran to convince 27 men to take up their belongings, their arms, and begin a voyage to the other world. His three stepbrothers would not be left alone, however, as they demanded to be brought with him. It wasn't long before they had a great sea-faring ship all stocked full of what they may need for however long they might be gone. He left all of the worries of kingship to those who could replace him for a time, swearing this was necessary for him to go. And all those that were with him were promised they would come back. As they continued to stock the ship, Bran began to worry about this promise he had given his men. He began to worry about this voyage he was going on. This trip to the other world. Was he for real? Was he really doing this? Able to step off into the unknown like this and abandon everything, all responsibility. And yet, something in him drove him to experience something more. This insatiable appetite he had, this was what he was craving. And whether it was real or not, he knew he had to follow. And just as the sun crept up over the horizon, as the darkness in the sky began to ebb away and change in that flickering twilight passage where the darkness is blasted away by an ever-approaching sun that beckons its way past the cloud line and pierces its shining rays onto the sea. It glimmered at him, this pathway shining bright, almost made of honey, this plain to the other world. Magmel, he knew he must follow. He did not know which way to go, but now he knew the direction to steer themselves into for the start of their journey. And as they went, the winds gusted and they blew their boat out straight in line with Magmel as the sun reached high in the sky. Their path was not always clear, though. For after the sun set on their first day, they were out as far as they could go with no signs of otherworldly activities. And the winds came and began to buffet and blast the ship and it rocked between waves, crashing around with the grey skies over looming darkness and seeing the dark depths below, Bran began to doubt himself. Buffeted by those winds, crashed upon by those waves. They lasted a whole long second day, and the second night was as cold as the first. But by the third day, they began to seriously have doubts in their king, Bran, leading them astray. Until someone spotted a strange sight. Until Bran's attention was brought to a great figure moving towards them, a huge 
body on top of a horse, driving with such force across the waves. This mystical horse, jumping over the waves, its feet landing and splashing barely through these watery ways. And as this creature came up upon the ship, Mananon MacLear announced it was him. He called Bran, knowing that Bran was full of worry and doubt. What you see in front of you may look merely like water and waves washing around your coracle, swaying you this way and that. What I see in front of me is a plain of honey and flowers. All around me, swirls of golden dewdrops, bells, petals falling softly, sweet smells, and atop you might see a sky. But how deep do you look into it? Do you ever find yourself gazing for hours at an end? at this changing colour and the spectrum that it brings with it. A full house of clouds falling in disparate ways, playing with the breeze that creates an ever-flowing, fantastical, filled garden of emeralds and gold and jewels. Flowers are full of beauty all around and not one sound of bees making honey yet full is the plains with their nectar and their magic. Come, Bran, Bran McFuel, come and see past what you perceive. Look with the silver branch and golden apples and see what is in front of you is all Already magic. With that, Mananon told him he was due to father a king named Mangan, although it meant nothing to Bran. He watched Mananon run fast across the waves back the way they had come, and suddenly he felt more stirred on to see and sense this other world and connect to the many coloured lands as he began to sense and see something strange change all around him a mist suddenly came up and with that a smell of strange sweetness he came across then islands popping out all across the horizon and he saw strange sights, the like of which he'd never seen before. Trees growing from rocks in the middle of the sea, dropping golden apples into the waters, splashing upon their roots. He saw great towers reaching high into the sky, strange animals running fast and flickering past the outskirts of a strange beach. Horses with dog heads, birds with great claws and talons, beady eyes, and all the while he was looking out for this land of women, this Awan Alvak, the land of promise, filled with women, so he was told by this beautiful woman he was now searching for and sure he would find. But the first island they came to with people upon it 
they called to them, seeing somebody that might give them directions, but they were given no response. Only strange laughter from these people gathered below. Now one of Bran's brothers took offence. Bran called out again, Can you show us which way is the way to Emna, to the land of promise? Hello? <laughs> Once more all he heard was laughter from these people. And sure enough, his foster brother leapt off the boat, now angry and demanding an answer from one of these laughing folks, steered steady onto the land and grabbed, but then lost the strength in his hand and seemed to go still for a moment as his eyes went blank, his expression changed, and he too began to laugh, full of mirth, full-bodied, full-bellied laughter. He doubled over with the laughter and Bran stood back, shocked knowing this island was filled with laughter, but no sense, no understanding could be perceived with this much hilarity. And so they backed away, leaving his brother sadly, but hoping they might come back someday and rescue him. With a promise half-spoken, Bran left, still in search for the land of promise. By the time they finally got to another island, they recognised beautiful women were all about the island. Now Bran, he suddenly called, and there enough for sure he saw this woman that he had dreamt and seen in his halls, and this woman waved, and her servant, standing next to her, picked up a ball of yarn and threw it to Bran. Bran caught it instinctively, plucking it out of the sky, and... The Lady of Wonder, she just pulled the thread and steered their boat directly to shore, landing safely on the island of the Land of Promise. And filled full of their promise, they were given such celebration, such cause of happiness. And every woman that came to the land greeted every man that came off their boat. All of the women taking the men to feed them full and satiate every desire and everything they ever wanted for food and drink were given to them and suddenly they saw how much was there on the island. There was mountains, forests full of games, waterways where they could swim, be merry within in every form of way and games, so many games they could play on the land of promise. There was no sadness there. There was no disease, no sickness. The promise she had given to Bran was true. And he couldn't quite believe that emptiness inside, that sense of something wanting more, that desire for a satiation where he couldn't ever succeed, seemed to be somehow filled. He was, after all, in the other world with the most beautiful woman he had ever seen before, with these beautiful people, with faith restored in harmony and connection and pleasure and games and joy and just refraining songs, remembering stories and little by little the old stories of the old land of Ireland began to plant a seed, a sense of nostalgia in the men, until one day Nocton, his 
other foster brother came to him and told him it was time they went back home. It's been great. It's been beautiful out here. Don't get me wrong, but these aren't our people, Bran. Don't you miss being with her own? It's time, Bran, to go home. And sure enough, although he couldn't really say wanted to, Bran did have a duty. Being on the land of promise made him remember the promise he had given to his men. And it was then that he agreed. They would sail back to Ireland, although how much time had gone he was not quite sure. It seemed to move differently here. Days didn't feel as long. Nights seemed to go and whisk by in a blink of an eye. But his lady love, the queen of the land, she begged Bran not to leave. She told him it would be difficult. It would not be the same thing he would perceive from the land that he left. And he would find it hard to get back. But Bran was resolute. And they boarded their ship and they made their packings and brought their belongings, many of the men saying heartfelt goodbyes to the ladies that were soft and sad-eyed to see them go. And as they left, Bran waved, and the lady loved while she waved back, and her serving lady got the ball of yarn and threw it back to Bran. Instinctively, he caught it once more, and well, his lady love brought him back, pulling that same string the same way, and they landed back on the island. And Bran was confused for a moment, but she kissed him deeply, and he fell, almost buckling on his knees to the ground and holding on to her. And suddenly, well, that day kind of went by, and the night too, and they were singing once more, merry-making, and why did they want to leave in the first place anyway, really, when they had so many beautiful people to look at and talk to and the softness of their bed. But once more Nocton came to remind him that he had promised to bring them home. Bran regretted that he would bring them back. So once more they boarded their ships knowing now full well this woman would try and lure them back. And as they waved goodbye, this time aboard their ship fully packed and provisions filled well she did the same thing she waved too but her servant lady tossed the ball of yarn and Bran's arm went up once more to catch it but his third foster brother caught it in front of him and said not this time Bran and he took out a knife and he chopped his and he chopped his own hand off of the wrist we're going home Bran and he grabbed the pool of string with his bloodied st- he tucked it behind him and he pulled the whole ball of yarn snatching it out of the queen of the land's hands and pulled it onto deck letting the boat turn around and fully now set course for home Bran did wave goodbye the queen of the land of promise hoping and wishing he might see her once more But as they made their way back, they saw the land of laughter, and there they spotted the foster brother, still lost in his madness and his revelry, and his laughter continuing over the waves to remind them and Bran of his promise to get him back. 
And so, quick thinking, Bran caught the ball of yarn and tossed it to his brother, who, just like any other, would have caught it. And they were able to pull him and all the way back on board through the waves. At least that part of the promise had been fulfilled. They continued on, and Bran wondered and worried as to what he would find in the other land, the real world. Would he be able to step back into reality and bring this sense of ever-freedom and peace with him? Would he be able to be a king again in Ireland, in Tara With his head full of doubts, they continued their voyage back to Ireland. Until, after many days, and storms and winds and waves washing, Nachtin called out that they had seen land. Srubrian, Strove Point, near Loch Foyle. Loch Foyle may have gotten its name from Bran McFoyle, or the other way around, whichever way it was. It was up the north of Ireland, near Donegal, as we call it today, and they spotted a point of rock coming out, and they saw on it a small woman walking on her own. And Bran called out to her and said his name was Bran McFoyle, and they had returned to Ireland to resume his kingship in Tara Lucra, and where was his people, and where were those that missed him? needed him and his 27 men. The old woman, dressed in rags, she squinted at him, unsure of who he was, and she called out, Bran! King Bran! I remember a strange story. My father told me of a mad king who went off out to sea, but everyone just thought he went and drowned. King Bran. It's been a long time since kings ruled these hills. But that's just... That's just a story. Bran's heart sunk in his chest. He realised that lands don't lie. And sure enough, the rocks seemed older. The hills almost seemed like they changed a shape. Time had devastated the coast, changed it in some form of a way that he couldn't really say, but how much time had he been in the other world, he didn't know. But Nocton would not listen. Nocton exclaimed, We're home! Call the people, we're back, we're back from the other world! And he leapt across the waves, and he landed onto the shore, and in that instant, his body became dust and the wind blew and the sand mixed his essence and washed it onto the waves and the water washed it back into the land again. The old woman stood aghast to see such a strange sight in front of her. Bran's heart broke for his brother but broke even more for every one of his sailors who could not return home. The doom seemed to land on his own head now too for he was forever lost and may never be able to return to the land of promise but before he decided to leave this coast and continue his voyage 
He etched out on wood in home the bare bones of the story I've told to you now. He threw it on to the coast and the old lady picked it up and gathered it. She promised she would recount the story for all to hear. She would tell those people that it wasn't just the story. It wasn't just made up. It was something real that Bran had seen. And so with that, knowing his legacy was at least going to be passed on, knowing that people would know he would be out there, still searching, Bran left. He turned his boat around with his 27 soldiers and now two foster brothers, and went searching. Whether they're still searching out there still today is hard to say. All we do know is that there are many colours in the other islands, the other realms, and many ways to see them and perceive the plains of promise.